Hey there, my name is Garrett McQueen. I am a young, black, classical bassoonist turned public radio host. And I'm Scott Blankenship. I am a middle-aged, white, <laughs> um, former thespian turned radio host. A thespian, you're coming out. Yeah. Oh, well, good for you. I'm, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> so I came up through a sort of traditional um, pipeline. I uh, joined the band when I was in seventh grade, um, did that through middle school, high school, uh, majored in music education in college, which eventually turned into a bassoon performance. Got a master's in bassoon performance from the University of Southern California. Got in all by myself, um, by the way, Scott. No extra cash. No, Nobody had to, you know, push that, push an envelope across the table for Good. me. Uh, <laughs> after uh, leaving there, I spent two seasons with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, um, five seasons with the Knoxville Symphony Orchestra, played with numerous other uh, symphonies all across the country and around the world. And in 2016, I was um, invited to fill in a temporary spot on Knoxville's local public radio station. That temporary spot turned into a permanent spot. I um, hit the ground running, and in a year and a half, I found myself here at American Public Media hosting a national classical music show. Welcome. What's your story? Well, I started out in, uh, well, it was in high school that I got into uh, theater. I uh, had a really positive experience. People were saying positive things, so I got it in my head. I'm going to go be an actor. I'm going to voice cartoons. I'm going to be in movies. I'm going to do all these, you know. And and it worked out perfectly, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> um, after about two semesters in college, I realized um I was not going to make, I was not good enough to make the kind of living that I wanted to make. That has to be a difficult realization to face, that you Especially are not early good on. enough. Yeah, and I knew it. I knew it. Um, but the thing that that allowed me to do was to keep that uh, connection to that art uh, as uh, something on the side. And it ended up uh, that I was a co-founder of a theater group in Omaha, Nebraska called Shelterbolt Theater. Shout out to them. And uh, yeah, um, 25 years of original theater done in Omaha. And that's one of the things that I love about theater is the fact that it is art that is only happening at that one particular point in time. Right. So the next night, if you were to come back and see the same show, it would be different because the crowd is different. Maybe the actors feel different. And uh, to a degree, I find that in classical music as well. Like if you go to a concert one night, it will be different the next night, you know, based on... Usually the, better that second night. Hopefully. No yeah. shade. <laughs> you know, from the matinee to the evening performance, yeah. too. You know, there's there's differences. And so, um, and I, I cut my teeth at KVNO in Omaha, Nebraska. And, and that was classical radio? Yeah, yeah. And I worked there in... I, I did every job there was to do there with the exception of the actual program director. I made it all the way up to assistant PD. You were sweeping the floors and cleaning the toilets? Starting out, huh? starting out, yeah. Good for you. Yeah, and making... Started from the bottom. Yeah, and clawed my way <laughs> to where we are here at American Public Media. And I took your former overnight spot. Yes, how's that feeling for you? How's that working out? I'm doing okay, actually, but... You know, we should preface that this is an overnight gig that we're talking about. This is an overnight shift, midnight yeah. to six. Yeah, midnight to six a.m. I do four nights a week. Did you ever? Were you ever doing four nights a week? There was a couple times where I had to fill in, and it damn near broke me. 
Yeah, well, I'm a little, I'm a little younger than you are, so we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens in the coming decade. I'll probably get over it too. I don't know, mm. but um, but it's working out for me. But I'm kind of curious to hear about the challenges that that you found uh, in, in that sort of job. Challenges that were unexpected. I understand. Um, the isolation was the biggest thing. You know, you're on a different clock. You're as the rest of the world. Yep, you're working the uh, the opposite end of the spectrum from everybody else. And um, while while it's fulfilling on some levels because that overnight crowd is dedicated and yeah, shout out to all the overnight listeners. Yeah, yeah it's um, a group that is one hundred percent dedicated to this music, and uh, I think that they are some of the most loyal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been off of it coming up on a year, and I think that I'm just now getting my sleep schedule back on track and starting to feel a little bit more like I'm a getting yourself together a part of normalcy maybe meeting all the ladies on on your on your free evenings now oh yeah because that's <laughs> going well <laughs> well uh, that 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 is a that is something that I'm very blessed not to have to deal with the whole dating scene and all that stuff at least right now so you know being being overnight is great for me um for, for now, at least. But I definitely remember, um, you know, during my onboarding process here at American Public Media, you're coming around to my desk and saying, boy, am I glad to see you. So, you know, you were a, a big part of like my um, my training and, and my onboarding and all that. And in that process, um, you know, we have we have really great colleagues up here. But in that process, I definitely noticed that you were you know, not the most tightly wound member of the team. I think I'll, I think I'll say it that way. That's fair. And that, um, you know, was, uh, encouraging to me because I feel like I'm often on, you know, the fringes of, of classical music as someone who's black. I got dreadlocks. Um, you know, I didn't come up through a conservatory, um, as it were, but, you know, I, I, I do have some legit training. Shout out to my teachers, Lacoli in Washington and Judith Farmer. Um, but you know, when, when I see myself as someone just who's been on the outskirts of this whole thing, it's encouraging for me to meet someone who I see as <laughs> non-typical in, in this world of classical music, yeah. certainly not classical radio. I mean, do, do you consider yourself a typical, uh, a, a typical part of, of what all of this is? Well, from the outside looking in, sure. Okay. Um, I fit everything by looks you know middle-aged white guy classical music you know that a plus b does equal c in that mm. instance but there's a lot going on in the background that people don't know about um i ride a motorcycle i make my own beer you know things like that. Some, I, some pretty good beer I'll, I'll add oh thanks but i guarantee you there's very few people who are rolling up to their classical music shift on a on a motorcycle yeah um and that is one of the things that um, I think is kind of missing on the landscape right now is a chance for people in this music to tell their stories. Uh, apart from uh, announcing, a, you know, here's some Haydn, here's a Brahms piece. I think that there's uh, more conversation to be had, better conversation to be had in within this world of classical music. Let's get kind of specific. What What is a specific conversation that you think is missing from the from the general zeitgeist of classical music culture, whether that's the concert hall, the radio, whatever. Um, 
public broadcasting across the board has had an issue with diversity for years. And what does that mean? What does that word diversity mean to you? Well, if you want to uh, look at it at its base, it means uh, a healthy mixture of men and women and people of color. Mm -hmm. And I think that by proxy, the LGBTQ community is in there as well. When most of the voices that you are hearing on the air are from white people. And I think it's it's been in the last uh, 10 or 15 years that I've noticed that the mix of men to women is starting to improve. But we're still lacking on people of color and people from the LGBTQ community. And how does that make you feel as, you know, the, the archetypal um, statistic that everyone is throwing knives at these days? You know, the, the, the older, straight, white uh, man, do, right. do, do you feel threatened by by all this progress through, through, through all of these um, holes that you have identified yeah. in public broadcast? Well, when we were talking off mic, I used the word relevance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And part of it is me looking ahead and trying to make sure that I have a career in this business because I love public broadcasting. I came up on public broadcasting. And I want to see this music make it and be there for generations in the future. And if we're being smart, we have to look at the fact that uh, our communities are not all white men with a few white women in there. Mm-hmm. And these stories from these people that are on the fringes need to be heard to let us know that the, it's it's a human thing that is happening to create this music, to create this art. It's uh, well beyond the Joshua Bells and Awadaj and Pratt's and right. all that. You know, there's right. far more people who are struggling to make this music than are killing it and, you know, making millions of dollars. And good for you for, you know, becoming friends with the new cool black guy on staff to explore these conversations. I, I would have I done that even no matter what you were black or not, because I know what it's like. To, to be the new guy. To be the new guy and to be in that position where you don't get a lot of um, people reaching out to you. Right. You know, so that that was my goal. Is I wanted to, number one, I wanted to make you feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I have been wanting to do something that spotlights all of the different people involved in this art and haven't really found anybody that's on the same wavelength. Yeah. And I was hoping to, to find that connection with you. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that we talk about really early on uh, in this podcast is the fact that if you see somebody on a stage doing something that you like and they look like you, it's easier for you to become interested or to feel like it's for you too. Yeah. Uh, you know, something I kind of have always struggled with in the world of classical music when we're talking about diversity is the idea that that diversity is so much thicker than um deeper than than the skin it's it's more than just skin deep because when you look up on um a classical music stage or you turn on the radio and you hear a black person like me talking about this classical music what's significant about my race is that I have shared experiences with other people that look like me or who who look similar to me um, and things that make us very different. The main thing being my my career path, which is which is classical music. So all, all of that to say, 
it's and I you know and I have certain people in mind that I will not <laughs> call out by name, but in, in the world of classical music in corporate America, you know, and, and and all of these traditionally white institutions, black people over the ages have gotten real good at sort of fixing ourselves and making sure that we're behaving for all the white folks so that mm. no one is is being uncomfortable. And that's just something that um, that, you know, goddess didn't put in my recipe when I was born. I have often been called, um, you know, disrespectful or or yeah. condescending or whatever, just because I want to live my experience as a black person the way I want to live it along all of its intersections. So I'm also gay, you know, along with being a classical musician. I'm from the South and for a long time having a sort of Southern affect to your voice wasn't seen as professional, certainly not for public radio, you know? Mm-hmm. So, th- so there are all these norms that, that I refuse to accept while traversing um, classical music. And, you know, for me, for, for this podcast, I wanted to make sure that we were hearing from some of those people, you know, there are, there are folks that you will see on that classical music stage who are leaving and going to, you know, their part-time job as a bartender or a, or a, yeah. or a box thrower. There are people, um, excuse me, there are people sitting in the audience who um, got the tickets for free and have have never been to an orchestra concert, doesn't know why, they don't know why classical music matters at all. You know, yeah. it's, it's important to hear from them. You know, there's music students coming up um, and and the further we get, you know, uh, in into time, you know, the the more intersections um, that you'll see in these conservatories, and and they have perspectives that um, they're putting out there, and and that need a platform, and um, and that's what I wanted to do with um, this podcast, you know, really create, a, you know, create something that is public media's response to the world, yeah. and. And um, and a project that I myself feel is um, relevant to to me and my experiences, not only as a classical musician and as someone who, you know, popped up in into the world of classical radio, but someone who um, is 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 black and and um, and is gay and is and is young, younger than you anyway. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and and just bringing bringing all that together so that. You know, my demographic and and folks younger than me, folks coming up, have have a reason to pay attention to what's going on in public radio. Now, as you're fully aware of, uh, Scott, you know, starting projects with, you know, large organizations um, along with you uh, along the way, you know, offers its own set of challenges. You know, it does. Um, we, we started talking about this um late December, early uh, January. And, you know, we're we're officially into May now. And, you know, from from what the logo looks like to, um, you know, the publishing rights to the website, you know, there, there's so there's so many hoops to jump through, you know, so much so much red tape. And I think my willingness to, you know, to go along with that, um, you know, speaks to how much I really believe in this this project, because a long time ago I could have just, you know, pulled all the plugs and and done this, you know, on my own. Sure. And, and and it would have been, you know, just fine. But but I understand um, the advantage and the privilege I have um, as a member of the team at American Public Media 
And, you know, the thought I keep going back to is how um, how much I would be taking advantage of my my very rare spot here, you know, especially for who I am, if I didn't use all the resources, um, you know, at, at, at my disposal. So there, there have definitely been lots and lots and lots of frustrating points uh, on this road, but it, it just makes it feel even better that that we're here finally. Well. I do understand where you're coming from, but you also realize, too, that this isn't anything personal, right? That this, all of these hoops that you're jumping through, people jump through them because that's what it takes to get it going in, within this organization. So what are you saying? I need to stop complaining? No, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just hoping that you're not taking it as a personal affront. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's not because that I... Because I understand where you're coming yeah. from. It's not that I've I've taken it well. Not that I took it personally, as as much as you know. It's it's hard to to have something that you know is you know a really great idea and and something that you really believe in and something that uh you know your teammates your organization believes in too, but needs done on on their terms. You mm-hmm. know, it's that they're. they're you know, they're just natural challenges there. They're, they're natural emotions that are going to be there. I'm, I'm sure you've worked on projects that, that you feel like didn't roll out exactly the way you want it, right? Um, or died on the vine. Sure, yeah. You know, as a result. Um, uh, but the, the thing is, is I think that that made me look even harder or try to um, come up with a program that was going to hit it out of the park even more. You know, it was like... Uh, I wasn't subdued by it. It was like I was uh, lit on fire about it to even do better. Um, And one of the things that uh, one of your guests, Catherine Bradbury, brings up, which I think is really important, is that, um, uh, and it also dovetails into what you were talking with Marion Dooley about uh, seeing somebody on stage that looks like you so that makes you feel better about being, you're, you're a part of it. It's for you. Um, I am not the one to be finding these stories as a middle-aged white guy. You know, she talks about when you grow up in a system, it's hard to see the flaws in the system. Yeah. And so I think that, um, I want to try to find as many people who represent these groups that we're trying to reach to go out and get those stories. Yeah. And, uh, just to be a uh, part of the, con- I, w- I just want to be a part of the conversation. I don't want to lead it. You want to be included. I okay. want to be included because I, you know, <laughs> I, I want to be a part of the change. And, and, and what, you know, how, how I sort of see the, the, the way our relationship works as far as this podcast is concerned is, you know, your years of experience as far as, you know, the editing and the, you know, all, 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 the, all of the button pushing that I didn't go to school for. And I don't have the, what, 30, 40 years of experience you have at this point. Well, you I need mean, to get out all your fingers <laughs> and toes to count how old I am. You know, but and and, you know, I I have that perspective, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, here for the past 20 or so minutes, you know, going um, through music school, you know, actually being one of the few people to actually make it, you know, and and become a member of an orchestra and and be able to make a living, you know, all the way in, in a very short period of time to me being one of the voices of classical music and one of the, you know, advocates and, uh, 
and uh, of, of classical music. So, you know, I, I think with our powers combined, we can really um, pull pull some great things together. Oh, we're going to be unstoppable. Should we talk a little bit about, um, you know, what what listeners should expect for um, for each episode? Well, sure. Um, start with your philosophy. Sure. So this is a podcast that explores some of the people and some of the stories from the fringes of classical music. So opening up each um, opus of this podcast, the, the uh, little music word we're using there, um, you'll, you'll hear Scott and I just kind of talk about some sort of topic that relates to the interview um, that I conducted for that episode. So um, on the on the next, so we're, we're calling this the overture. So mm-hmm. on um, the on the next opus of of Triloquy, um, you know, we mentioned uh, that I talked with Marion Dooley and about his um, relationship with HBCU culture, um, the the music programs there. Um, that's what we talk about. So, Scott, I'm sure you and I will talk about similar things. You know, what you know about HBCUs, how HBCUs have um, have popped up into popular culture. As a matter of fact, we're missing Beyonce, a screening of Beyonce's homecoming right <laughs> Down now. In the, in the basement of the building. That is how much I believe in Triloquy, the name of this podcast, True and Real Conversations from the Fringes of Classical Music. We're missing Beyonce for this, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. How did I get there? Oh, talking about the HBCU. See, yeah. that's how much I love Beyonce. Beyonce is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, yeah, me, me, so me and Scott will just, you know, talk about, um, you know, a concept or something to sort of frame the conversation that I have uh, with the special guest for that episode. There will be, um, you know, overtures um, and opuses like these that, you know, don't feature um, a, a special guest. You just get to, you know, get to get to hear us, hear us shoot talk. it out, shoot the shoot the sh about it. <laughs> Because I but, don't think we're allowed to curse, right? And we both come, yeah, and we both come at this from uh, different sets of experiences and uh, different ideas in the way that we present this music. So I think it's going to be, um, I, I think each one is going to be uh, eye-opening for people on both sides. Yeah. Have you, have your eye, you know, so at this point I've uh, I've gotten several um, of my interviews in the can, mm-hmm. you know, going back and editing and listening to these videos, are are there any eye-opening moments that, that you've experienced so far on, on the path toward Triloquy? Well, a lot of them happened during our conversations, you know, I think for both of us. Um, you know, you brought up uh, unconscious bias at one point that I think is something that a lot of people like me are dealing with. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some eye-opening conversations happening in that regard. And uh, going back to your conversation again with uh, Kathleen Bradbury, uh, sometimes we just need to get out of the way and let people tell their story the way they want to tell it. And that's what, you know, I'm trying to do. Yeah. But there are still a lot of people in the way. But we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> so in a, a year from now, Scott, when, um, you know, we're what, two, maybe 300 opuses in? Not that many. But, uh, you know, when, when we're down the line. I'd say, I'd say close to 200. We probably are on track to do that. What would you hope a regular listener sort of gets from from what we're doing? What, what, do, you, what do you want? What, what do you? Well, first of all, I guess we should really address who do you see as the target audience for for this uh, millennials um, people that are proud millennial here right people that are your age and younger um, 
I want them to be able to feel like this is a, a space for them. Public media is a place. Uh, you know, we we preach that all the time, that it's for everybody. But it's not. And now it's time really. to start practicing yeah. it. Right. Um, and I think that if we start to reach out to different audiences in a way that they're used to communicating, we're going to be a lot more effective rather than saying, oh, tune in to... You come over here to public broadcasting yep. and listen to the way we do things, and maybe you'll fall in love with it. Um, it I, I think that's flawed logic. And maybe you've addressed this already, but again, as a as a, I hate I hate calling you middle age as much as I like but ragging on I, your age. No, it's what I am though. <laughs> middle age just sounds so old to me. Yeah, and that, I'm a millennial. That also I means can't help it. if I'm at middle age, that means I'm going to live to like 96, and I was hoping for like a 78. <laughs> Well, you know, not not every how, however old you are at this point, 60, 65, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> not everyone is lucky enough to get to that age. So in all in, in all of my ragging, there's love, Scott. I understand that. Um, what were we? Ta- oh, so anyway, so as <laughs> where a, were we? So as a middle age, quote unquote, white man, why? Why is that? diversification important to you why is it important for the doors of public media to widen a little bit and to include more people and more conversations if we don't they will close forever and that means we don't get a paycheck right no what i'm saying is that you know we get a paycheck no matter what yeah we need to um reach out to more people and that means diversification on every level you know in one of the last meetings um you know, I've gone to a lot of meetings at this point, you know, pitching this podcast, yeah. defending this podcast. And and one of the points that, um, you know, that I, I got to in, in one of those meetings with our um, our marketing team was, you know, there are connections that can be made. Every conversation, every sort of challenge that is just in the air in, in, in 2019 exists in classical music, whether you're talking about ageism or sexism or, or racism or the financial challenges of trying to figure out how to uh, be a part of this art form and eat and, and pay your rent. You know, everything that exists in the world exists in classical music. Those things have not always had a spotlight. And, and that's, that's what I want to do here. I just want to make sure that, you know, you listening, that you understand the world of classical music is much like your world. You don't have to be a classical musician to understand what I'm trying to think of some of the people I've already, um, some of the people I've already interviewed. Uh, I I did get one interview in with another um, classical radio host. And, you know, for her, uh, a part of her challenge was trying to take the safe route, you know, going away from music um, and how it led her back to music anyway. You know, we, mm. we, we all have, have had that parent that says, you know, why are you majoring in X, Y, and Z? Or, yeah. or why don't you go do, you know, A, B, and C to, to, you know, to make sure that, you know, your, your future is, uh, is stable. I remember my mom when, uh, when they understood I was going to go into classical music, she always wanted me to reconsider being something like a plumber or an electrician, you know, something that everyone will always need. You know, those are, those are conversations that exist everywhere and in classical music. That's just one example of, of, uh, of, of what this podcast is, is trying to be. And I feel like I'm rambling at this point. (laughs) You do it well. 
And oh, I, I ramble well. Oh, yeah, thank you. I think that that's why <laughs> I think that's why we're really well suited for this. Um, uh, bottom line is, uh, I just want everybody to feel like this broadcast medium, this music, is for you. And in order to do that, we have to diversify the means that we're getting it out there. Yeah. Um, in closing, uh, and you know, the, uh, let me let me first say that you know most of these episodes will probably run about an hour. These overture episodes that you and I do um, with with no guest interview should should be about this long, maybe thirty minutes or so. But mm-hmm. um, but in closing, you know, just a just a couple credits. The music you hear. At the beginning of each uh, podcast does feature yours truly. I just went into, you know, my personal home studio and just started playing some stuff until something came out that I liked. I loved it. Um, And it's followed by um, something produced uh, by you, Scott. Um, a little guitar work in there. A little my guitar work. And um, with some variations over time, you know, we'll... uh, We'll 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 switch up the the theme music to sort of match who we're talking to, what we're what we're talking about, and um, I'm really excited about what's sure to be a really interesting ride. You know, as I've said, there's been you know a lot of a lot of hoops to jump through, a lot of red tape, a lot of things to figure out. You know, scheduling to to get together. You know, I'm I'm going to be on the air. You know tonight at midnight so so i have to go home and and get a few z's in uh in the meantime um but but yeah scott um if i never say it again i just have to say how much i appreciate your being a part of this project um how important it is to me to have you on board and um and thanks for pushing all the buttons because i don't want to i'm i'm glad to be here (laughs) i'm glad to contribute in whatever way that i can and um Looking forward to how things are going to change in this, the next year. We're this see is a lot of change. Triloquy, true and real stories from the fringes of classical music. We'll see you next time featuring my good friend, Marion Dooley. Bye.